section twenty four of english literature by william j long this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter seven continued milton's later poetry undoubtedly the noblest of milton's works written when he was blind and suffering are paradise lost paradise regained and samson agonistes the first is the greatest indeed the only generally acknowledged epic in our literature since beowulf the last is the most perfect specimen of a drama after the greek method in our language paradise lost of the history of the great epic we have some interesting glimpses in cambridge there is preserved a notebook of milton's containing a list of nearly one hundred subjects note of these sixty were taken from the bible thirty-three from english and five from scotch history End of note. for a great poem selected while he was a boy at the university king arthur attracted him at first but his choice finally settled upon the fall of man and we have four separate outlines showing milton's proposed treatment of the subject these outlines indicate that he contemplated a mighty drama or miracle play but whether because of puritan antipathy to plays and players or because of the wretched dramatic treatment of religious subjects which milton had witnessed in italy he abandoned the idea of a play and settled on the form of an epic poem most fortunately it must be conceded for milton had not the knowledge of men necessary for a drama as a study of character paradise lost would be a grievous failure adam the central character is something of a prig while satan looms up a magnificent figure entirely different from the devil of the miracle plays and completely overshadowing the hero both in interest and in manliness the other characters the almighty the sun raphael michael the angels and fallen spirits are merely mouthpieces for milton's declamations without any personal or human interest regarded as a drama therefore paradise lost could never have been a success but as poetry with its sublime imagery its harmonious verse its titanic background of heaven hell and the illimitable void that lies between it is unsurpassed in any literature in sixteen fifty eight milton in his darkness sat down to dictate the work which he had planned thirty years before in order to understand the mighty sweep of the poem it is necessary to sum up the argument of the twelve books as follows argument of paradise lost book one opens with a statement of the subject the fall of man and a noble invocation for light and divine guidance then begins the account of satan and the rebel angels their banishment from heaven and their plot to oppose the design of the almighty by dragging down his children our first parents from their state of innocence the book closes with a description of the land of fire and endless pain where the fallen spirits abide and the erection of pandemonium the palace of satan book two is a description of the council of evil spirits of satan's consent to undertake the temptation of adam and eve 
and his journey to the gates of hell which are guarded by sin and death book three transports us to heaven again god foreseeing the fall sends raphael to warn adam and eve so that their disobedience shall be upon their own heads then the son offers himself a sacrifice to take away the sin of the coming disobedience of man at the end of this book satan appears in a different scene meets uriel the angel of the sun inquires from him the way to earth and takes his journey thither disguised as an angel of light book four shows us paradise and the innocent state of man an angel guard is set over eden and satan is arrested while tempting eve in a dream but is curiously allowed to go free again book five shows us eve relating her dream to adam and then the morning prayer and the daily employment of our first parents raphael visits them is entertained by a banquet which eve proposes in order to show him that all god's gifts are not kept in heaven and tells them of the revolt of the fallen spirits his story is continued in book six in book seven we read the story of the creation of the world as raphael tells it to adam and eve in book eight adam tells raphael the story of his own life and of his meeting with eve book nine is the story of the temptation by satan following the account in genesis book ten records the divine judgment upon adam and eve shows the construction of sin and death of a highway through chaos to the earth and satan's return to pandemonium adam and eve repent of their disobedience and satan and his angels are turned into serpents in book eleven the almighty accepts adam's repentance but condemns him to be banished from paradise and the archangel michael is sent to execute the sentence at the end of the book after eve's feminine grief at the loss of paradise michael begins a prophetic vision of the destiny of man book twelve continues michael's vision adam and eve are comforted by hearing of the future redemption of their race the poem ends as they wander forth out of paradise and the door closes behind them it will be seen that this is a colossal epic not of a man or a hero but of the whole race of men and that milton's characters are such as no human hand could adequately portray but the scenes the splendors of heaven the horrors of hell the serene beauty of paradise the sun and planets suspended between celestial light and gross darkness are pictured with an imagination that is almost superhuman the abiding interest of the poem is in these colossal pictures and in the lofty thought and the marvelous melody with which they are impressed on our minds the poem is in blank verse and not until milton used it did we learn the infinite variety and harmony of which it is capable he played with it changing its melody and movement on every page as an organist out of a single theme develops an unending variety of harmony
lamartine has described paradise lost as the dream of a puritan fallen asleep over his bible and this suggestive description leads us to the curious fact that it is the dream not the theology or the descriptions of bible scenes that chiefly interests us thus milton describes the separation of earth and water and there is little or nothing added to the simplicity and strength of genesis but the sunset which follows is milton's own dream and instantly we are transported to a land of beauty and poetry now came still evening on and twilight gray had in her sober livery all things clad silence accompanied for beast and bird they to their grassy couch these to their nests were slunk all but the wakeful nightingale she all night long her amorous descant sung silence was pleased now glowed the firmament with living sapphires hesperus that led the starry host rode brightest till the moon rising in clouded majesty at length apparent queen unveiled her peerless light and o'er the dark her silver mantle threw so also milton's almighty considered purely as a literary character is unfortunately tinged with the narrow and literal theology of the time he is a being enormously egotistic the despot rather than the servant of the universe seated upon a throne with a chorus of angels about him eternally singing his praises and ministering to a kind of divine vanity it is not necessary to search heaven for such a character the type is too common upon the earth but in satan milton breaks away from crude medieval conceptions he follows the dream again and gives us a character to admire and understand is this the region this the soil the clime said then the lost archangel this the seat that we must change for heaven this mournful gloom for that celestial light be it so since he who now is sovereign can dispose and bid what shall be right farthest from him is best whom reason hath equalled force hath made supreme above his equals farewell happy fields where joy for ever dwells hail horrors hail infernal world and thou profoundest hell receive thy new possessor one who brings a mind not to be changed by place or time the mind is its own place and in itself can make a heaven of hell a hell of heaven what matter where if i be still the same and what i should be all but less than he whom thunder hath made greater here at least we shall be free the almighty hath not built here for his envy will not drive us hence here we may reign secure and in my choice to reign is worth ambition though in hell better to reign in hell than serve in heaven in this magnificent heroism milton has unconsciously immortalized the puritan spirit the same unconquerable spirit that set men to writing poems and allegories when in prison for the faith 
and that sent them over the stormy sea in a cockle-shell to found a free commonwealth in the wilds of america for a modern reader the understanding of paradise lost presupposes two things a knowledge of the first chapters of the scriptures and of the general principles of calvinistic theology but it is a pity to use the poem as has so often been done to teach a literal acceptance of one or the other of the theology of paradise lost the least said the better but to the splendor of the puritan dream and the glorious melody of its expression no words can do justice even a slight acquaintance will make the reader understand why it ranks with the divina commedia of dante and why it is generally accepted by critics as the greatest single poem in our literature paradise regained soon after the completion of paradise lost thomas elwood a friend of milton asked one day after reading the paradise manuscript but what hast thou to say of paradise found it was in response to this suggestion that milton wrote the second part of the great epic known to us as paradise regained the first tells how mankind in the person of adam fell at the first temptation by satan and became an outcast from paradise and from divine grace the second shows how mankind in the person of christ withstands the tempter and is established once more in the divine favor christ's temptation in the wilderness is the theme and milton follows the account in the fourth chapter of matthew's gospel though paradise regained was milton's favorite and though it has many passages of noble thought and splendid imagery equal to the best of paradise lost the poem as a whole falls below the level of the first and is less interesting to read samson in samson agonistes milton turns to a more vital and personal theme and his genius transfigures the story of samson the mighty champion of israel now blind and scorned working as a slave among the philistines the poet's aim was to present in english a pure tragedy with all the passion and restraint which marked the old greek dramas that he succeeded where others failed is due to two causes first milton himself suggests the hero of one of the greek tragedies his sorrow and affliction give to his noble nature that touch of melancholy and calm dignity which is in perfect keeping with his subject second milton is telling his own story like samson he had struggled mightily against the enemies of his race he had taken a wife from the philistines and had paid the penalty he was blind alone scorned by his vain and thoughtless masters to the essential action of the tragedy milton could add therefore that touch of intense yet restrained personal feeling which carries more conviction than any argument samson is in many respects the most convincing of his works entirely apart from the interest of its subject and treatment one may obtain from it a better idea of what great tragedy was among the greeks than from any other work in our language 
nothing is here for tears nothing to wail or knock the breast no weakness no contempt dispraise or blame nothing but well and fair and what may quiet us in a death so noble end of section twenty four